Welcome to Conscious Curiosity SD, where successful San Diego leaders share their stories of leading beyond profit and are using the influence of business to positively change the companies and communities we all work and live in. I'm your host, Jeff Blanton from Jailbreak Leadership, a process that unlocks the full potential of your company by solving the problems that are impacting your growth. I want to thank our sponsors, the Collaborative Community of San Diego Business Organizations, the Better Business Bureau, Conscious Capitalism, and Be Local San Diego. We're all focused on supporting this next generation of leader. Welcome to the show. Imagine if you woke up this morning, and it was your job to give away $50 million over the next year to help solve some of the biggest social issues facing our community. What would that feel like? I mean, think about it. First, just imagine the, the enormity of the job, the sense of responsibility to do the right things. And second, well, $50 million is a huge amount of money. The reality is it's a drop in the bucket to the needs of the community. For every cause you get to say yes to, there's always a whole list that you don't get to help. And then third, this is not just a one and done. It's about creating and implementing a positive and significant visionary change for decades to come. Well, in the studio today is the person who raised his hand and said, don't worry, I got this, hmm. Mr. Grant Oliphant. The Chief Executive Officer of Conrad Prebus Foundation. Grant, welcome to the show. Jeff, really nice to be here. And I've never had an introduction like that, so thanks for the setup. <laughs> Did I scare you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wow. Well, I never thought about yeah. it like that before. <laughs> well, I got to think well, about it, and I just thought about how, yeah. wow, that's just got to be a daunting yeah. idea. It's a, look, it's a, it's, it's a great gift and a great privilege, but... Yeah, I mean, properly viewed, it's a little bit of a responsibility, too. You know, Andrew Carnegie, who founded American Philanthropy, famously said that he, he's made a lot of money and he gave away a lot of money and it was a lot harder to give money away well. I don't know that I buy that, but I do know that if you want to do it well, it, it involves easy. some work. It's not easy. Well, today we're going to explore that. We're going to talk a little bit about the foundation, understand what it is that uh, you guys do over there. It's been around for some time, and uh, we now have you in charge. We're also going to spend a little time talking about the cause conference because uh, Grant's going to be a co-chair of the upcoming cause conference, which is uh, cause 2022 is happening September 15th at the University of San Diego, which uh, you've been hearing about on the podcast for a while. And then, uh, as always, we want to do a little deep dive on Grant here. It's like, who oh, are you as a leader, and how did you get here, and all that kinds of good stuff. So how's that sound for a plan? All right. Sounds great. Let's do it. Well, let's start off with the easy question. Yeah. You. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. That may be the hardest one of all. Well, I was just yeah. like, uh, I've always found it interesting to hear a little bit how one got to where they got to because yeah. we all have our career paths and certain yeah. things happened. And I took a left, should have taken a right, but geez, look what happened. So, and you're new to San Diego. You moved sure. here, what, uh, February, March, or whatever? Uh, March 1. March, March 1. 1. So, yeah. uh, maybe talk a little bit about your career and maybe just maybe. One of the key defining moments, maybe yeah. one or two, that really brought you to where you are today. And then we can get to like, you know, how did you end up in San Diego? <laughs> yeah. Okay, great. Well, so um, like almost everyone I know who works in a job like mine, I ended up in it by accident. 
originally. You know, I, I, uh, most careers. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, yeah, I mean, you can either view careers as climbing a mountain of success or you can view them as kind of an accidental um, series of beneficent moments. And, you know, I think they are both right. And in mine, in my twenties, I was an entrepreneur and a journalist. I started a political magazine with a bunch of guys in Washington, DC, and we published that for three years. And then after I'd done that, I went to work in one of the really great moments of my life for John Hines in the U.S. Senate as his press secretary and got to be on Capitol Hill at a really pivotal time in in American history, um, working for a guy I respected a lot. And then he died suddenly. And his family had Tremendous wealth and tremendous foundations in philanthropy. And his widow... Is that the Heinz? Yeah, from the Heinz Ketchup Fortune. And his widow, Teresa Heinz, asked me to come work for her. And I didn't know what a foundation was. So my initial response was, I got to go do this other stuff and find my career path. Uh, A year and a half later, we talked again. And this time I didn't hesitate. You know, she asked me to come work for her foundations and I immediately leapt at it. And the reason was that I loved the idea of being involved in figuring out big, thorny social problems and trying to make a difference on them. And that was the gig. I learned very early on that you can do a lot of good. Um, You can also spend a lot of time spinning your wheels if you don't pay attention to the details. And, you know, we spent a lot of time, I learned from Teresa Hines, you spend a lot of time sweating the details and trying to get it right. Very exciting stuff. So how long are you with them? Well, I actually spent the next 30 years going back and forth uh, with the Heinzes. So I I worked for her for about seven years. Then I left to be head of an advertising agency. Got stuck back. (laughs) Yeah, back into the private sector thinking, you know, it was time for me to go make a lot of money. And and I hated it. I learned a lot, but I realized immediately that I missed being engaged with uh, issues that I was able to deal with through philanthropy. Got pulled back in by a guy named Max King who came out of the daily journalism world had become president of the Heinz Endowments and wanted me at his side to help figure out how to do that well. Uh, Did that for another seven or eight years and then left to become head of the Community Foundation in Pittsburgh, which was one of the nation's largest and oldest community foundations. And they wanted me to come in and reinvent it. So I, what was I, the backing behind that? You say, well, it's the same as uh, think about the San Diego Foundation here. It's okay. the same okay. premise. Uh, we had about two thousand families that over time had had contributed to. money, yeah. and yeah, so tremendous gift to the community, but from lots of people as opposed to one one big large, right? And then I eventually left that to go back to the Heinz orbit one more time to um, lead the Heinz endowments, and that was really the culmination of that part of my life's trajectory. Um, Great privilege to get to work for an organization that was globally focused but locally engaged. And then I got a call one day about coming to San Diego to do the same thing here at just the moment when my wife and I were beginning to think, you know, we're ready for a new challenge. Okay, Um, new chapter in life. Yeah. 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 
So what was the sales pitch to, <clears throat> to uh, San Diego? What was, well, uh, you know, it wasn't hard. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, it was. We, we, um, we were telling you before, you, yeah. you had spent a little time here way yeah, back. Yeah, when, when I was and, a kid, you know, the, so here's the connection. I, I actually don't think I would have left Pittsburgh for much, much of anything. The Heinz Endowments was too special a place for me. And, and after 30 years being in Pittsburgh, my, uh, you know, I had, built a life there and knew the community and loved the community. But when I was 12 years old, I spent a magical summer in San Diego when my parents were going through a very difficult divorce. And it planted in my mind the idea that this is where I wanted to live. And I just somehow never got back to it. And then one day you get a call out of the blue. And this is often how the universe works when you remember things and pay the attention. Seeds, the right, seeds right, <laughs> yeah. So I, when the recruiter who was a friend of mine just mentioned San Diego, I said, well, what, what? <laughs> where? So it was partly the place. San Diego is an extraordinary community that I think sometimes doesn't realize how extraordinary it is. And we can talk about that, I hope. But I also saw it as an extraordinary opportunity because it was a relatively brand new foundation that needed to be given shape and form and function in a town where there is a tremendous amount of philanthropy, but not a lot of um, deep institutional philanthropy, uh, where that tradition is still being formed. And it's had some really good early progenitors and the idea was the Conrad Prebus Foundation would be in a position to continue that tradition and build it into something more of an institution for San Diego for the future. So is that partly what was exciting to you? Oh, completely. The idea of like, oh, yeah. I'm, I get yeah. to kind of redo. I've, I've, yeah. I've learned a lot of things, seen yeah. a lot of things. Yeah. Now it's kind of my chance to say, well, like, and, let me, you know, let in, let my, in, in my field, you know, if you th when I think about my career, my life, I have been drawn to reinventing and building things. So this was an opportunity to invent and build a legacy for the foundation, but also for all of San Diego. And you don't get many of those opportunities. Right. Um, it's so, kind of yeah, limited. I mean, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, especially at the billion dollar level. You know, what Conrad Prebus did for San Diego. Yeah, share a little bit about the Well, he's, you know, Conrad, I didn't know him. I love the stories I hear about him in terms of how he gave. And, you know, the two things that I always hear were that he was incredibly curious and wanted to know about things. But he also had this great childlike joy about giving. You know, when he gave to something and felt like he'd made a difference, he lit up. And you can see it in the photos of him, actually. And uh, the stories that I have heard of him really confirm that. And that is a quality, by the way, that's too often missing in American philanthropy, which is joy. so often. Yeah, it's just so often <laughs> cast as this horrible, hard duty, you know, that you – and. And sure, figuring it out well takes some time and effort, but it ought to be about creating excitement, joy, and love in the universe, not about how hard and horrible and burdensome it is. Right. And he, so you know, he's doing the service, right. so he would right. hopefully you yeah, should get some joy yeah. out of being right. a service. Right. And he embodied that, and he left to the community more than a billion dollars in philanthropic assets that is overseen by a community board. And the opportunity is to help create something that is around for as long as we can think about forever, um, that will be around forever for the benefit of San Diego. That's unbelievable. 
Yeah, it's an incredible gift. And, you know, in Conrad's case, what I like to point out is that, you know, everybody celebrates the giving challenge, which is this notion in philanthropy that wealthy people should give away half of their assets. He effectively gave it all. Wow. He, he gave all of it to uh, San Diego. That's so interesting because I think uh, as a whole, I think we as a society have some real challenges around the idea of money. Like with this, like, you know, it's our way to security. We're kind of fear-based animals right. anyways, right. Right? right? So can you ever have enough? Yeah. And the idea, I mean, oh, at what point can I start to actually give a little bit of this away, you know, that's not, yeah. you know, <laughs> going to put me at some grand risk. I just think we have a really hard time making that shift. Yeah, and, although it's interesting because studies of philanthropy have shown that often it's people at um, much lower wage and wealth levels who are the most generous you uh, know, people as a percentage. Yeah, 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 as a percentage. So, um, you know, I think gifts like this stand out partly because of the size, but also because of the extraordinary generosity behind them. So we're, you know, we're blessed to have people like Conrad in our midst, but we're also blessed to have the people who every day, you know, are trying to make ends meet yet also feel that they can or should give something back to their society. And a lot of Americans do. And that's just always money too. Sometimes just yeah. volunteering and being Time, there. talent, and treasure exactly. are the three measures of this. And oftentimes the time and the talent are the more important piece. So you have a job that's way different than anyone else I've had in here. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So maybe, yeah. uh, at least say there's a, a board and all that, but like maybe describe your role a little bit. What does it look like? I mean, what's, what's, yeah, what's so, the day in the um, life of Grant Olfant? You know, first of all, I do have a, I have a board of four fabulous human beings who uh, were responsible for hiring me. And they are anxious to continue building the board for the benefit of San Diego. So we'll be expanding and diversifying the board over time. But a day in the life of my role is spending a lot of time, especially in the early going, listening and learning to community. So I, I go out and I have meetings all the time. From the moment I've landed here, I've been in meeting, listen and learn mode. And I try to find out for myself what's going on in the community, what are the challenges, what are the opportunities that people see. And it's incredibly educational. It's hard sometimes to synthesize all of that information, but that's part of the job too. The big challenge for us at the scale of philanthropy at which we're able to operate is we have to think the way an institution does and not the way an individual does. So. Conrad handed this bequest to the foundation on behalf of the community. And now we have to think about an institution that's going to be around for a long time, which means we get the added benefit of time to think about how, the way in which we want to make a difference. So not and, some immediate need. Yeah, right. Need it's, to think beyond you know, like 10, right, 20 years. Right, exactly. We're, we're, looking, we're looking down the road at what our staying power and large resources will be able to contribute to this community in a unique way. And that means we're spending a lot of time thinking about strategy, about how to knit together the priorities of the foundation. Conrad laid out very clear priorities. Uh, the most obvious were that we will focus on the visual and performing arts. So think about the role of art in our culture and society. So speak that for just a second. Like yeah. my wife and yeah. I were talking about this yeah, this morning, yeah. right? Yeah. It's like, how does that fit into a community? Yeah. Like when you think the long term of San Diego and yeah. have a client is trying to do some stuff in the art space or whatever, it's yeah. like, 
So from your perspective, why is it important? Oh, my God. So I was just thinking about this this morning, in fact, because I I think this is a hugely forgotten issue in our culture, partly because our culture is so money driven, partly because people are always more concerned in when they prioritize things about immediate needs. And, you know, there is this sense that all that matters is that we meet the basic needs of humanity and we'll be fine. But what we know from all the research and millennia of human history is that people are as much driven by a sense of beauty and purpose as they are by the need to feed themselves. So obviously, we need to feed the hungry and we need to address issues around poverty. But it is equally important for people to know that they're living for something and going for something. And I was thinking about this this morning because... The author Rebecca Solnit has just written a book called uh, Orwell's Roses, and she recounts the early days of the suffragette movement, where the motto of the suffragette movement became bread and roses. And the idea of that original formulation was bread, meaning feeding ourselves, dealing with the basic needs of the everyday. But roses represented art and beauty and Mm -hmm. the idea of finding purpose in the universe. And so it has been baked into even our most elemental social struggles for a long time. You know, the way in which we get at the idea that you and I have value to each other is more often through not. I mean, more than often, more than often than not through art as opposed to through just breaking bread together. Mm. You know, we, we get a sense of, I get a sense of what your struggle might be, of what your story might be, about what common definitions of beauty and what dreams we hold in common might be. We get that through the arts in a way that we don't in any other way. And so I think the value of art to our society and our culture is not just that it makes San Diego a great place to be, which it does, and it makes it economically attractive for people who live here, and it makes it economically attractive for tourists who come to visit here. Just go spend an evening, any evening, at the Shell, and you'll get a sense for what that dynamic is like. But also, take a moment to take in the music and see what else comes to you, and what you see is that the art is... is majestic on a level that transcends those economics. It goes to how we think about ourselves as human humans. Beings. Yeah. But that was my wife's answer to me. Yeah. Humans right. make art. The That's, dog doesn't make art. The dog doesn't make <laughs> art. Right. I mean, you think about one of the earliest acts of human expression was a handprint in a cave in the southern part of France from Neanderthal times. Human beings have been trying to express something about our journey since the earliest dawn of recorded history. And why? It's because we're trying to figure it out. We're trying to figure out what we're about as we're trying to feed ourselves. And here we are, years later, still trying to figure it out. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) That's the human journey. Yeah. We will get right back to the show, but first, we have some very exciting news to share. On September 15th, the Better Business Bureau and the San Diego Business Journal are hosting the Cause Conference 2022 at the University of San Diego. The Cause Conference is all about connecting business leaders that are addressing the biggest social challenges our city faces. 
This annual gathering is a launch point for collaboration between our local for-profit and nonprofit organizations. It's going to be a great day of learning, connecting, and collaborating with peers, all focused on creating better outcomes that impact our community. I'm also very excited. We have the opportunity to do a live podcasting in the CoLab area during the conference. So come on by and say hi and maybe get on the show. So I look forward to seeing you there. And for more information, go to causesandiego.org. That's causesandiego.org. Or hit the link in the show notes below. Now, back to the show. So what else is the foundation focusing on? Yeah, so we focus as well on medical research, medical treatment, and health care. Was that something yeah. that Conrad was involved in? Part Very, of his- yeah. So all the areas that he spelled out were the areas that he cared right. about during his lifetime. How, how did he make yeah. his money? What was his? Uh, through real estate. Through, okay, so he real was estate. a developer okay. and uh, built uh, extensive housing in San Diego. We know that's uh, a good way to go yeah. in California over the years. Well, I, you know, I gather I've met so many people since coming to San Diego who have made significant amounts of money in real estate. Clearly worked. <laughs> so, all, all, yeah, all my friends yeah, that have yeah. money all made it in real estate. Yeah, yeah. Of course, so. I missed that memo. <laughs> <laughs> well, there have to be people to do the things we do. So right. there um, you go. But, thanks, but, thanks for that, Grant. <laughs> but Conrad was, you know, he was fired up about the idea of giving to his community. And he did it through giving to medical research. He did it through giving to medical treatment and health care. He did it through giving to the arts. And then he also gave a lot to youth organizations and youth development. So what we think of is youth development. Uh, which also, I think, connects nicely to issues around workforce and how young people are prepared for it to be the next generation of people in the economy. So that was a priority of his. And then, you know, he gave a lot as well to institutions of higher learning that were active in those areas. So uh, that's something that we're st- trying to stay true to as well. So... I'm a little curious. So you moved here from Pittsburgh back in March, and you've been here. So now we're, we're doing this, and it's uh, the end of August. Yeah. And you've been talking to all kinds of people. You're trying to figure out what the heck we got going on here. So what's, like, the biggest surprise? So after all this kind of data collection, like, what's the thing? Like, you know, you showed up with a certain <laughs> yeah. thoughts about I've who, got so who, many. who I've we got, are and what yeah, we're doing. I've, but, got, I've got so many. So the thing that has struck me the most about San Diego is – that it is this phenomenally innovative and entrepreneurial community. And partly that's out of necessity. It's not a big company town. It's partly because of the biotech life sciences arena here and the presence of really significant universities. But there is an energy around this town where practically everyone I have met is either in business or has a side hustle or is thinking about a business. <laughs> so, you know, yeah, it's very, and it's infectious. And what goes along with that is this tremendous sense of positivism. So it's a community that recognizes it has challenges. It's not blind to those, but it is really an optimistic, positive place about the future. You know, there is a sense that you can come here and be part of reinventing the future. So that has been the most amazing and wonderful aspect of San Diego for me. Maybe almost as significant and not as positive is just the reality that this is a town like any other town that has significant challenges and has to be serious about addressing them and can't gloss over them. So, you know, we are 
a community that will be as affected by climate change as any other place in the world and need to be thinking about that. We are a community that faces all of the outfall from the tremendous wealth inequality and income inequality that we're seeing in the country. And housing and homelessness are manifestations of that dynamic, at least in part. And those are everywhere I go. Those are the issues that people are talking about. In the wake of COVID, uh, people in the community are talking about what it's like to try and get people back together again in theaters, in gathering places to recreate community. So dealing, continuing to deal with the post-COVID economy and cultural dynamic is, a, I think, a huge challenge for San Diego. And then really developing a better system of understanding of each other in a community that is experiencing rapid and ongoing changes in demographics. Uh, we are a microcosm of America in that respect. So real community with real challenges, that's the, you know, I think the, the second takeaway. That's, that's the takeaway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then... We got some and stuff. <laughs> and, then the, and then the third one is that nonetheless, what goes with those is tremendous opportunities. You know, the fact that we are a border town and that that is so built into the psyche of San Diego is actually a tremendous opportunity mm -hmm. for San Diego. We have an opportunity as a community to show to the rest of America what looking beyond this current divided state of ours in the country could begin to look like. We have an opportunity to solve social problems on a scale in San Diego where they're manageable that could begin to point the way to the rest of the country about how to deal with these social dynamics and challenges. And I am tremendously excited about the folks who believe in that in this community, and I've met a lot of them. You know, the takeaway for me would be this. This is a town where many people think the future is being reinvented because of the life sciences activity that's happening here. But why can't we apply that same energy and belief to reinventing the future around everything from climate change to poverty. Yeah, why not? Yeah. We have that opportunity. Yes. Which is a great lead in. So we have this cause conference yes. coming up, which yes, you're a co-chair of. It's on September 15th. It's going to be at the University of San Diego. And cause conference has actually been around for 20 plus years. Yeah. But uh, we have a whole new sort of focus and agenda here. And the focus is, how do we start to really bring our for-profit and non-profit organizations together in a way that we start to collaborate, look like a community to go out and start to address some of those things you just checked off, right? Yeah. With the idea that uh, things like homelessness and that could really could have a big impact if we were able to really rally the troops in a focused way and bring together some groups that historically have not played right. together. Your world's over here, my world's over here. So... Why join in? Why, why are you in well, the middle you of know, all this, it, it's funny. Because that's an important thing for us to do. Well, it's funny. You say, uh, you mentioned that this conference has been around for 20 years. And one of the good things about being the new guy on the block is you don't know the history. Right. right? You don't have no so, history. So, um, <laughs> Let me you know, tell you what happened in 2018. <laughs> right, right. Man, unbelievable. <laughs> and, I, and I have seen this play out. I see this play out in San Diego in every conversation I have, that there is always a tendency for people who have been around a long time in a place 
to keep a record of what didn't work in the past, right? <laughs> to say, oh, we can't do that. Didn't work back in 2012. And But the reality is circumstances are constantly changing. And while the history is really important to remember, it's also important to try again, especially in the moment that we find ourselves. So I love the new spirit of the cause conference, which is, as far as I can tell, really rejuvenated around a spirit of let's everybody get involved in trying to make San Diego great by addressing the social problems that the community faces. And I love that. I think that's a great idea. Uh, it's the core of what I, you know, what drew me here. And so I, I signed up. I want to be a part of a message like that. And I'm excited that there is a willingness to try and bring in all sectors of our community into solving these challenges that we face. You know, I think it's important to remember what we all know intuitively every day, which is that we're living in a time of really epic challenges. There are big challenges in our society that a lot of folks in my line of work get really depressed about. So if you look at climate change, we are in a pivotal moment in terms of whether we're going to act or not in time, you know, quote in time, to moderate the changes to the planet. We have a lot of folks in our society who are looking at the racial reckoning and saying we have only a certain amount of time before we can really finally address these issues or we're going to continue to be a society hampered by a failure to act in ways that we can no longer tolerate. On issue after issue, it feels like we're living in a time when the stakes are really high and the importance to act is, feels almost too urgent. It's like, how do we possibly get it all done? And the reality is that any one of us can only do what we can do. But the way we solve the problem is we get everybody involved. And that's the spirit of the cause conference. Exactly. The spirit of the cause conference, especially for the for-profit sector, is to say in this day and age, given these stakes, especially given the next generation of folks who are going to be working in your companies, what we need is for you to be involved, but you need to be involved because your workers and your customers are going to be demanding it. That right, it's you, an expectation right, now, right? Right, yeah. So that's the idea. And COVID helped kind of reinforce that, right, yeah. as well? Yeah. Yeah, there is a whole new energy around this. Uh, you know, I've been in San Diego for six years. I got involved in 2018 and had some stuff, and then COVID came, and I attended a meeting last October, which was sort of this kind of reboot here at the Better Business Bureau, who's now one of the co-sponsors, along with the San Diego Business Journal. And I went, oh, holy cow, what, what's going on here? <laughs> In yeah, fact, I even, yeah. won, I even won the big raffle a night, which were uh, tickets to go see the Padres. So, I've become a Padres fan since coming to well, San Well, there you go. Yeah. Hopefully they're not disappointing too much here. Like, <laughs> having a little ups and downs with those folks. Well, I think it's uh, so important. It's like all those things you're just talking about, and it's really kind of the genesis of this podcast is really about having business leaders coming in here that are really leading the way you're describing, that we need to lead our businesses. And back to the comment that we need purpose. We need reasons yeah. beyond just making money. And it pays. It works. I mean, it's proven. This is yeah. not a new idea. And how do we continue to expand that, but also get all this isolated, well, I'm doing this inside my building. What's your neighbor doing? What's the guy across right. the street doing? Right. What if we actually started collaborating? Oh, there's a nonprofit down the street that we could go support. We could actually start to see that measurable outcome 
that I think it's hard to do when we're just kind of doing that one-off thing because the problems are way bigger than just one small company or one individual can do. So I think the cause conference, that's our goal. Can we start to create that collaboration? Yeah, and and, and I think the purpose is far more than just cheerleading. It's to bring like-minded folks together or just curious folks together to begin to build a coalition of the willing. Right. That's what we need. And we can use San Diego to reinvent the future around these issues the same way that so many folks are reinventing the future through technology and life sciences. Yeah. And to your point you were talking about earlier, we we are kind of a bit of an island here, right? I mean, between the ocean, the marine bases, deserts, the border. I mean, it is this nice little community that – does have an opportunity to model something, right? right? Not just yeah. be America's finest city because we've got good sunshine and water and oceans, but like, no, this, this is an amazing That's, community. This really is an amazing community. And there is, well, it's actually something that I used to say in Pittsburgh that I can say in San Diego as well, which is that the scale of the city is manageable. In so many places, it feels like you can't get your arm around the problem. But in San Diego, you can and we have the opportunity to launch and pilot things here that I I think the rest of the country can benefit from. I totally agree with you. Totally. So let's talk about the future. Yes. What are you picturing? What are you hoping for? I mean, where, 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 <laughs> where, where could we take this thing? So as you're, yep, yeah. we've got lots of potential. We've got lots of challenges. We've got this kind of interesting community to, as a platform to operate on. Uh, where could we be five years, ten years from now? Yeah. You know, it's um, I'm not a futurist, or I <laughs> would be. I, I would be. I, I think I would. I, am, right? <laughs> I would be. I would be making a living doing that, and and my stock portfolio would be doing a lot better. Yeah, really. But, but um, you know, here to me is the opportunity for this community. What the entire globe is struggling with, if you really look at it, is how to create the community of human beings that respects each other and can problem solve on the issues that we need to. And the place that I think that we're going to crack the code on how to do that at any meaningful scale is going to be in communities just like this. It's, uh, this is the unit of government that, and of human organizing that still works really well, where people can identify and see each other even across meaningful difference. And who can actually see that the difference isn't meaningful and that the opportunity is for them to find common ground on any number of issues. For me, what we're working on is the idea of what it means to have a healthy, well community. And if we can model that here, we can create a model for everywhere else. Is that almost like kind of when you say that, like defining what that would look like? What's the definition of that? And the the reason I bring it up is that the science of well-being is actually pretty clear for an individual and for a community, almost any level of human scale at which we organize. You and I as individuals require three things beyond our basic needs in order to function and feel like we're whole. They are opportunity, belonging, and purpose. So we need to have opportunity represents, you know, we can do work, we can go to a job, we can earn a salary that gives us dignity, uh, we can... Work that's in line with what you do well, right? right. right. You've matched up your skills to the need, right. right? We have a way of expressing what is in us into the world that brings us value. So that's opportunity. Belonging is the idea that 
you and I both have a place that regardless of what color we may be, what gender we may be, how we may identify, we are as one in the community with others and we're welcome and where our dignity is respected. That's what it means to belong. And purpose is we have a sense of our role in the entire scheme of things. So we feel like our life has value. Our presence has value. This obviously transcends the opportunity component because it's not just about a job. It's about I have a role to play in this society. And similarly, communities operate the same way. If people in the community feel that they belong, that they have opportunity, and that they have a sense of purpose, then that community will function well. The moment people in significant numbers feel disenfranchised from any of those things, you have the makings of an unhealthy community. So part of what challenges us in our society right now is we have far too many people who feel disenfranchised from those three things. So my hope for our work over the course of the next decade is that we will continue to move San Diego along this continuum of becoming a more healthy community by focusing on opportunity, belonging, and purpose and making this a place where more and more people feel like they're part of the equation. So I like that. So now there's the criteria. Yeah. So yeah. back to everything you do, it's like, how does it measure up against that? So should we do A? Should we do B? Which one? Well, you know, the problem, right? of course, the art is, is how you well, decide okay. what does or doesn't, right? right? And, you know, clearly having the opportunity for people to have their medical needs addressed and have access to health care and care to be well is that meets the criteria. Uh, so does having the opportunity to express what's inside them. And so art becomes really important in this equation. Um, caring for young people in the future becomes really important in this equation. Figuring out how those young people are going to connect with work in the future becomes important in that equation. So we're trying to figure out how all the pieces fall into place, but clearly they all do. Yeah. I think one of the challenges is like you did a great job of articulating that, but how do you get that message out into a grander way? Because it seems like it's always like, you know, we're just fighting a lot of fires on a day-to-day -day basis versus who's bringing a, the call to action to the bigger picture, right? I mean, I guess I'm always look for the local mayor government to do something like that. But, you know, that's they got their issues. Each company's got their own little battles. They're trying. It's like, you know, where does this roll up into some place where we all can go, yeah, if we could create that. Yeah. <laughs> now, like, who's supposed to deliver that well, message? I, I, I actually... Maybe so, the cause conference type well, activities I, help that, I actually right? do think that that is the role of the foundation and nonprofit sector often. You know, I don't... Oh, I like that. All right. You know, it's... I don't want to have the... You know, one idea that we don't want to sow with the cause conference is that you no longer need a nonprofit sector because, because you <laughs> so know, there, we got there, it, yeah. <laughs> well, there are some there are some places where markets simply don't work, and the long term tends to be one of those places. Right, right. You know, the the you know government, um, even really good government tends to be locked into what the short-term needs are I because get, that's I get, what I get, voters want. Right, I got to get you elected. Know, yeah, right, so. yeah. And, uh, you know, I think, I think we're always fortunate when we have politicians who look beyond that and think about how to put systems in place that are both good in the short term but also in the right. long term. 
and we've got some of that going, you know, so let's, I don't want to be cynical about that, but it is hard for government to do that in the day to day. Right. And similarly for business, business tends to have to think about short what term. works in the market in the short term. There's an immediate bottom line and the stock market makes it worse because they measure value every 90 days or even in even shorter terms these days. And so it's hard for business to say, hey, 10 years from now where we all ought to be is X. Right. Um, really successful businesses do that, by the way, but they, they tend to keep that part of it quiet. But what is, uh, you know, I think that is the role of the foundation and nonprofit sector is to be saying, yes, but 10 years from now, where we all want to be is a community that looks like X and, and to keep everybody focused and talking about X. You know, that's why it has been for so long the academic and nonprofit sector that sounded the alarms on climate change. Now it's become a business imperative, right? Right. right? Yeah. Now oh, it's become a, a DOD factors climate change into its base location decisions. It thinks about battle plan, about climate change in the context of its battle plans. So, you know, clearly there's an immediacy now, but once upon a time, it was really this sector that everybody, you know, and in some ways it is the role of the nonprofit sector to do the, the thinking that, feels like it's unrealistic because it is so long-term, you know, but it's precisely that perspective, which really, when you think about it, Jeff, is a values perspective. You know, it is it's thinking about how we reconnect with our values as human beings mm. that ultimately pays dividends for business and government as well. I love that. love that. So I definitely fits in the role of the larger yeah. foundations that can help get that word out. Right. So we got to wrap this up. Grant, time's flying. So what's the big thought here after uh, being in town for a few months, meeting all kinds of yeah. people, got some desires, had some great conversation. What, what's what's the big idea? Well, I just I, I, I just would – I want to come back to what I think is the rallying cry of the moment, which is that we are living in a period of history where the stakes are dramatically high – and we can't be depressed about that. We have to be excited and energized by that. And one way to do that is to re remember that we need everybody. Right now, we need everybody. We The scale of the challenges feels like they're beyond any one of us. And of course they are. They, they are. are. They are. <laughs> they are. <laughs> but they are not beyond all of us. And we have the capacity as a society and as a community to respond to these really big challenges in a way that inspires us all for the future and that we will be proud of one day. And it may not be perfect. It doesn't need to be. It just needs to engage all of us. So for the cause conference, if you're in business and you're at least curious about how your business can benefit from or contribute to solving society's thorny problems, and make them part of your business model, this is the place to come. If the place you, to come to. Yep. And, if you're, and if you're in the other sectors and want to be part of engaging everybody in our society around solving these problems, then this is the place to come as well. All right. I love that. I love that a lot. So, Grant, I want to thank you for taking the time to come to the show today and sharing your amazing experience, insights, and wisdom. And I also want to thank you for all the work you've been doing all these years, and especially uh, to you and your wife for relocating across the country. Oh <laughs> come <laughs> make, it, make it happen thank here you. in America's finest city. It's our city. pleasure. <laughs> it really is. 
So that's our show for today. And if you enjoyed it, please subscribe and comment. And most importantly, share the podcast with a friend. Again, special thanks to our community of business organizations, the Better Business Bureau, Conscious Capitalism San Diego, and Be Local San Diego. We're all collaborating and using the influence of business to positively impact our very own community of San Diego. And don't forget, September 15th is the Cause Conference. Come see Grant. Come see me. We're going to have the podcast going there. Come get on the show. So I'm Jeff Blanton from Jailbreak Leadership saying, in the meantime, go do what you do. Go do what you do best, for we are all counting on you.